Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. There were days where we thought we wouldn't make it out, but we stuck it out. Today's our day. You've come to the right place. Today's our day. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. So the amount and quality of intimacy in a relationship is a common concern that I hear all the time from my clients. For something so basic to the survival of the species, it's an area that seems to be fraught with anxiety for a lot of couples. How often do you do it? Does it only count if both partners have an orgasm? If my partner doesn't initiate, does that mean I'm no longer attracted to them? Why did what worked last time not work now? It's no wonder that pornography use is so high because it never rejects or judges. And like many things, good sex and real intimacy are complicated. But complicated does not mean unattainable. So to help unpack some of what is getting in the way, I'm joined by Dr. Avram Weiss. He is a psychologist and the author of Hidden in Plain Sight, How Men's Fears of Women Shape Their Intimate Relationships, which I love this book. I highly recommend it. So welcome back to the show, Avram. I'm so glad you came back on to talk about this. It's good to be here. Good to be here. You wrote a piece, and by the way, anybody who wants to follow Dr. Wise, go to Psychology Today. He writes great stuff. Um, But you wrote a piece for Psychology Today titled, Why is he so focused on my orgasm? So can you provide a little bit of background as to where this article came from and why you wrote it? Well, I I work a lot with men Mm -hmm. and um, have for a long time, and and. I get interested in ideas and then I, I have the luxury of sort of following them as they interest me. And so of course, working with men and working with couples, they talk a lot about sex. Um, Mm -hmm. contrary to, to uh, popular opinion, couples do talk about sex. It's money that couples don't talk about. (laughs) Um, sex couples are generally willing to talk about money is, is the most verboten, the most personal, someone, a wise person once said the most personal question you can ask a man is not, When's the last time you had sex with your wife? It's how much money do you earn? Right. And I think that's true. Right. Of course, they're so, not talking about how good the sex was with his wife, but that's a whole other topic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, men, men, no, that would not be the question men would be uncomfortable talking about. So that's a good segue because okay. the thing men worry about is not how good the sex was, and that's what the article is about, is, but was she satisfied? Mm-hmm. Because men are socialized to believe that it is their job to satisfy, to keep a woman happy. Yes. And more broadly, that's not just in sex, mm-hmm. but it is sort of their raison d'etre, that's their, their reason for living. And this could be a half an hour answer, so you're going <laughs> to yes. have to restrain me here. But if you think way back to early life, if your listeners are interested, Google the still face experiment, S-T-I-L-L. Mm-hmm. And you will see a very disturbing experiment where the mom mm. is instructed to have a still face brief, briefly, not an angry face or a disapproving face, but just an unresponsive face to the yeah, baby. Like a blank face. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the babies lose it within a minute to the point mm-hmm. where some of them lose bowel and bladder control and can't wow. hold themselves upright. 
Yeah. So infants are completely dependent mm-hmm. on their moms being responsive. So if you're a baby boy, your earliest experiences in life, you learn to be very, very, very focused on what a woman mm-hmm. is doing in terms of are you pleasing her? You're mm-hmm. literally, your very life depends on watching a woman very, very, very closely Carefully. and making sure you are pleasing her because your life depends on it. Fast forward 20 years, it doesn't really change that much. Mm. So I had a guy tell me once that when he walked in his house, when he came home from work, he could tell if his wife was upset with him when he got in the front door before he ever saw her. He could feel it in the air, mm-hmm. and I believed him. Oh, yeah. Whether or not his wife. So, <clears throat> so men are hypersensitive and hypertuned to whether or not, you know, if mommy ain't happy, nobody's happy. Right. Happy wife, happy wife. All of these cliches mm-hmm. yes. have substance to them, right? They don't come out of nowhere. So sex is one of the most emotionally charged places where this works out for men. So Esther Perel writes about this a lot, by the way, uh-huh. that for men, sex can become almost completely divorced from pleasure because it's so focused on pleasing their partner that it can become almost completely divorced from pleasure. It becomes more about, am I okay uh-huh. with you? Did I please you? Did I, you know, am I okay with you? Did I pass the interview in a sense? Uh-huh that it becomes divorced from pleasure. Well, then it's, and it's interesting because, you know, this, is, this plays out in some interesting ways. And, you know, if a man can't perform for whatever reason, I mean, you know, they get so, older or whatever. Notice, notice the words you use. I know. That's how we think about it. I use that word specifically because if, I know. For, if for some that's reason. How the culture, that's how the culture talks about it. Right. But if for we some reason. perform for women. We don't. <laughs> but, you know, because it's like if for some Never reason... Never heard that, that if, word used for a woman. If, you know, if a, if a man loses his erection, it doesn't uh-huh. just impact that particular interaction. It has, it has a snowballing effect because then it just makes the anxiety worse for, you know, I mean, it, it, it creates, you know, this is self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because, because, right? because it is so focused on performance, the end result, the orgasm, right? right. It's like, you know, it, right. it's like, does sex even count, right? <laughs> if, right. You know, right. And, and so, you know, and, but you would think, I mean, and again, on one level, men wanting to sexually please their partner sounds like a good thing, yeah. but you're kind of saying it's a double-edged sword here. Yes, sure, and it's not. It's a it's a good thing up to a point, uh-huh. but it stops becoming about generosity and it becomes more about insecurity. Uh-huh. And women understand this. That's why women fake orgasms. Yes, and women yeah. talk and write about like enough already, you know, mm-hmm. like stop pestering me about this. You mean, what about, about faking orgasms? If I had an orgasm, like oh. enough already. So how many yes. times are you going to ask me? Right. <laughs> well, I mean, and somehow they think that it's a, a less than experience if she doesn't. Right, exactly. Because it's like an A plus on a test. Mm-hmm. It's a reprieve from the governor. It's really, it's not like an A plus on a test. It's more like a reprieve from the governor. That, that okay. I get to live another day. 
Yeah. It, it reminds me, I, I, have, I have what I refer to as the world's most erotic dog, who is anxious <laughs> every minute of the day. Yeah. If I go to the bathroom, she comes and sits outside the bathroom, uh-huh. know, worried that somehow I'm going to disappear when I go to the bathroom. Uh-huh. She's anxious all day long, and the only time she relaxes is the end of the day when she gets in the bed with us. You can almost hear her sigh, like, okay, I made it to another day. They didn't leave me. That's when she relaxes for the first time. That's men after sex, like, okay, right. she didn't leave me today. I pleased her. I, I made it to another day. So that's how men are about sex. <sighs> and so what's the cost of, of, of this? It's a terrible cost. I, I, I'm so glad you asked the question that way because I think men are, I think we really don't recognize or attend to or validate the the woundedness that men carry most of their lives. We're, we're, we have finally, after centuries, you know, starting back 50 years ago, we started to understand the cost that the patriarchy inflicts on women. Uh-huh. But how could that same system not inflict the cost on men as well? It was a fabulous quote that Martin Luther King said, segregation inflicts a cost on the perpetrator as much as the person being persecuted as well, which mm-hmm. is an incredible thing for him to say. But mm-hmm. the same would, tr- would be true about the patriarchy. There's a lovely graphic in the book. I wish we had a video. Mm-hmm. But there's a, there's a graphic, and it's in the book too, of a seesaw with a stick figure of a man on top and a woman on the bottom. And you look at it at first and you think, there it is, the patriarch with the man on top and the woman mm-hmm. on the bottom. But when you look more closely at the graphic, you see the woman has one foot off of the seesaw. Mm-hmm. And you realize that it is the man who is in the vulnerable position as well as the woman. So if the woman takes that other foot off the seesaw, he's going to come crashing instantly back down to earth. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean... And and, that's kind of how it is. Well, I mean, and, you know, and, 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 it's, a, and it's, a hard, it's a hard discussion to have um, because yes, it's a, it well, yes, but. And it's like, okay, it's, it's no, it's yes and. It's not you or him. It's it's all of us together in this soup, right. and 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 the and the messages that we get that that ju- that come to us, you know, we're not even thinking about it. I mean, we're inundated. Sex is everywhere. Right. It's used to sell. I mean, you know, I mean, and both men and women. <laughs> it's like I you know I call it the cosmic joke. Who expects this to work? Um, because right. there's there's so much working against it, and and even something yeah. as positive as wanting to give and receive pleasure becomes so complicated. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And, and it and it is in its essence kind of simple. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the the act itself is pretty straightforward, but it, it's. But right. and, and, you know, and it's something that I think, and I, and I'm wondering if it's if it's changing. I I don't do the research, and I probably should talk to you know my son and 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 my son-in-law about you know what mm-hmm. messages they get as as men. But you know, men have have been put in these boxes. Um, you know, yeah. and, and you know, and, and we go back. I mean, I still remember watching the very first episode of Mad Men and breaking out in a cold sweat as I saw how the yeah. the, the women were treated. Going, oh my God, you know. But but right. but what's missing from that is that men are just as much put in boxes. I mean, it's like you said. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's like you said where you know men are asked 
you know, that, that the worst question, you know, the worst question to ask is how much money do you make? Because, you know, there, there's a judgment. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's like they're in this box. It's not, it's not who, pretty much right after the, the question of what's your name, it's what do you do? And then basically based on exactly. when, when you tell me what you do, I automatically have some idea of, of the value sure. of that. And sure. therefore, the value. No, absolutely. Of you. It's interesting you say what box because, in fact, people working with men refer to it as the man box. Mm-hmm. There's a, the guy who wrote the forward to my book, this guy by the name of Jim O'Neill, who did an entire career's worth of work on what he called gender role conflict. Mm-hmm. And that is the difference between what society expects a man to be and how you think of yourself, who mm-hmm. you think you are, mm-hmm. is equals gender role conflict. And right. the greater that gap is, is correlated with things you might expect like anxiety, depression, low self-esteem, but also with um, heart disease, uh, yes. shorter lifespan. Yeah, I mean, things that, so yeah, it's not just like you don't feel so good about yourself. You also die sooner. Yeah, it's literally killing you. So this is Happily yeah, Ever After exactly. is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking with psychologist and author Dr. Avram Weiss about the motivation behind sex. And as prevalent as sexual contexts are in society, you'd think we'd all have a handle on it. Uh, but if this is an area of concern in your marriage, I'm going to tell you, you are not alone. Whether you're the man who's trying to please his wife or the woman who's faking orgasms or whatever's going on, oh my gosh, we've got to stop this. So if you'd like some help improving the level of intimacy in your marriage, I can help. I invite you to get in touch with me and schedule your free, no obligation, five-star relationship um, session. You can reach me by email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N as in Nancy, C as in charlie.com. Or you can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. And I want to get back to this conversation um, about, you know, men and, and, <laughs> and pleasing women and this whole thing sexually. So in the article, you had a very interesting part where you talked about how men's fantasies about women wanting sex can yeah. can have an influence. So can you, like, because I found that really interesting and went, oh, sure. this is enlightening. Well, it's interesting always to look at uh, what kinds of pornography people look at mm-hmm. because there you have what people's, desires are without any kind of censorship. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's true for men and women. It's Mm -hmm. It's always interesting to me, you know, when people are willing to talk about what their sort of uncensored fantasies are. And what men, of course, it's different person to person, but if you look broadly across, men tend to look at, men particularly are excited about um, pornography in which women are um, um, uncensored about their sexual desire because men have a lot of anxiety. Men are expected to be the initiators Uh of sexual contact, and they have a lot of fear about being turned down. Uh I mean, some men talk about with each other a lot from teenage or, you know, Pre-teen through high school through college, 
there's a lot of anxiety. I would say one thing, this is a bit of a tangent, one thing doesn't get talked about much at all is men do talk about it is, you know, men get erections that are visible publicly. Mm-hmm. Every man will tell you the anxiety they experienced in high school about the, cl- the bell ringing at the end of class and having an erection. Right. And you're supposed to get up and walk out of class, but you can't. <laughs> or you're trying to arrange your book. Right. You know, and so there's a lot of shame connected with arousal. You can be as aroused as you want, and nobody knows it. Nobody knows it. Mm-hmm. When we're aroused, it's public. So there's immediately a connection um, and I would also add that men also have anxiety about, about uh, your genitals being injured. So from the beginning of right. your life, you know, you wear protective gear around your genitals and it hurts. Uh-huh. So you have fear about your genitals being injured. You have fear about people knowing that you're aroused and shaming you for it. Uh-huh. And another, another tangent, if you're gay, of course, you have fear about people knowing that you're aroused when there's nothing but guys around, which right. is another part of the story. Uh-huh. Um, and so then there's a tremendous amount of anxiety for men about being turned down. So, so what do men like in pornography? They like pornography where women are, uh, insatiable, uh-huh. where they can't get enough and they're, they're saying anything but no. They're saying yes, yes, more and more. Right. Because it's like their, their ultimate fantasy where, where they don't have to ask and they can't be shot down. Well, I mean, and, and, and so this brings up, this brings up something that's, that's very challenging because there are many, many women who have what's known as responsive desire, meaning that we actually don't... Everyone does. You know, okay, well, that's, that's interesting. Well, yes, okay. And so this, so this becomes a challenge um, because, you know, and especially in this day and age when everybody is so busy and their relationships yeah. frequently put on the back burner and, you know, it's yeah. um, instead of making time for the relationships, it's like we kind of fit it in, you know, it's yeah. the it's the 10 o'clock at night and we're trying to have this physical interaction and right. we're both tired or what, you know, it's like it doesn't work. <laughs> right. And then everybody gets a very important thing you're talking about. Yeah, it's a very important thing you're talking about, which is people don't know about responsive desire. And so they just assume that if they're not interested in their first response, that means they're not interested. And so teaching people about responsive desire is an incredibly important thing to do, which is just because you're not interested in the first 30 seconds doesn't mean. So, So, for example, women will say to me, you know, my husband's not interested in sex. I ask him and he's not interested. I'm like, right. <laughs> so then you started like stroking his penis and he wasn't interested. It's like, oh no, I didn't try that. I'm like, um, I think that'll work. <laughs> well, I mean, by the way, that's the, that's the same thing with women too. I mean, that if you know, those yeah, of us, right, exactly. Desire, it's like, you know, it's like, okay. And, yeah, but and, I think that's everybody. Leslie. Yes. I think and, that's almost everybody. But, but here's the deal. And here's, people don't want to take the risk. Well, and, and people play it but, off. Uh, against the beginning in relationships when you were flooded with all those, you know, fall in love hormones and we're ripping each other's clothes off and we can't get a, you know, we're in that, we're in that six, you know, that six month to three year period where, you know, it's, and and then, and then that stops and we don't attribute it to the fact that, oh, we can't stay in that heightened sense 
you know, permanently because we'd never get anything else done. But we then then there's an assumption that either my partner doesn't find me attractive or I don't like sex or there's something wrong with the relationship. And then we start acting as if that's also, true. There's also more, there's, much, there's no emotional risk there. Right. Because your initial overtures are met immediately. Right. But if you have to pursue more, then there's more risk. And so people just ask or make some half-hearted effort and get a no, and they say, oh, see, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. But if you're, going to res- if you're going to pursue long enough to have to reach responsive desire, you have to take more of a risk. Which more of a risk of rejection. Yep. <clears throat> yep. And so in a lot of cases, I mean, and this is where I think the, you know, why the pornography industry is so big is because you're never rejected. There's no risk. Right. Yeah. But, you know, rarely, if ever, people will come to me complain that their partners are not responsive. Rarely, if ever, have I heard someone say to me, you know, they just say, well, I asked and she wasn't interested. And I'm like, well, did you say to her, look, I'm feeling really distant. And I really need to connect with you. And it's really important to me that we make love tonight. I don't hear that. Mm-hmm. Well, because that's you know, I risky. I just hear a sort of mumbled. Right. I just hear a sort of mumbled 30 seconds. You want, you want to go fool around? All right. Yeah. Well, that's a hell, hell of a sales pitch. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, you know, and again, that's one did of. Did you propose? Did you put that much energy into when you proposed? Right. You're lucky you're married. Well, I mean, and this is, and, and people are missing this disconnect. So, so how do we get out of this seemingly no-win situation? You know, because it is risky. Um, you yeah. know, I mean, and and even being married does not protect us from rejection. I mean, even though we have quote unquote a built-in partner, um, you know, it's there's there's still you know there's still that asking. <laughs> you know, it's like. How do, how do we get out of this? I'm laughing at what you just said. Yeah. I got to yeah. laugh. I'm sorry. I got to laugh at what you Even married doesn't protect me from rejection. Like, no, it signs you up for a lifetime of rejection. <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 of course. So, I, you know, I, I'm going to answer your question by saying, you know, if you're in an intimate relationship, learn how to talk to each other. And, and if you're having a hard time with it, get some help. I mean, it, it, marriage, is, marriage is the second hardest thing I've ever done in my life. The first was be a parent. Mm. And in both cases, I needed help. And I well, got help. Well, and I think, you know, and I, and I agree that those are the two hardest things, but I do think it's easier for people to reach out for help parenting than for reach out for help in their marriages. I, I don't. I don't know if that's true or not, but, but I know that they're both incredibly difficult things to do. I don't know why in this culture people think that you don't need help with those things because they are incredibly hard to do. Mm-hmm. And when people do them without any help, that's fine if you want to do them in a pretty superficial way. But the problem is that we have a culture now in which people want to do them in a very in-depth, you know, we have the whole pop psych culture. Uh So people read a book and then they they think they want to do it the way the book says you should do it. You're not going to be able to do it in that way without some help. The book alone ain't going to do it. 
Well, yeah, I mean, we, we are. If you want your marriage to have that kind of depth and intimacy, you're probably going to have to get some help. Right, and 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 you're going to have to do some things differently. You know, be, because I mean, it's going to take some support. Well, and you know, and and I have said over the course of my career, which is over 20 years, that nothing thrives on neglect, and your marriage is no different. It's like, but if we keep, you know, but if we keep putting everything in front of it, because, and again, a lot of it is because we don't know how. And I mean, I mean, I wrote a whole series last year about, you know, 25 pieces of bad marriage advice, which commonly accepted marriage advice, which is like, if you do this, it is not going to work. Happy wife, happy life was one of, was one of those. Um, because so let's, it take, let's take the example we let's take the example we just came to. Okay. Yeah. So say to a couple, okay, look, w- when you initiate sex, it's not going to work if you just say want to fool around. Uh-huh. You're going to have to be a little bit more emotionally open. You're going to have to say, look, I'm I'm feeling pretty down, or I'm feeling pretty distant from you, and it's really, you're going to have to you're going to have to talk some about it. Okay. Uh-huh. So you have given, let's say, it's the man. You have given him some factually accurate information. Uh-huh. Well, does he have the emotional wherewithal or the emotional support or do they have the kind of, emo- is he going to be able to just you telling him that, is that going to be enough uh-huh. for him to be able to put that into effect? Probably not. Uh-huh. And if he doesn't have what he needs, if he doesn't have the skills and the resources and support, and just telling him that information might end up making him feel worse about himself. Sure, because he'll try things and they don't work and he's not getting – Fail. And yeah, and the feedback right. that he's getting is not supportive feedback. <laughs> you know, and, and like most things, we will personalize it. That, you know, something I right. did, you know. <laughs> you know so that's, it is. you know, that's why – yeah, so in the in, – that's why I always have a little hesitation writing a book the way I did. But mm-hmm. one of the things I say to the people in the book is I talk about how to set up a group of other men to talk with to get the kind of support that might enable you to actually do the th- kinds of things that I suggest would be helpful and not just mm-hmm. read them and then feel bad that you can't do them. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because it's, because it's like anything else. I mean, you know, it, it's like trying to learn how to do something from a book. At some point in time, you're going to have to actually take action, and you may or may yeah. not know, you know, what that is. And and having somebody who can right. guide you through it, um, you know, so. yeah. is, you know, I mean, it's like I tell people, I say, like, you know, uh, coming and seeing me is not a punishment. <laughs> it's like. Um, yeah, because it's like really, how, how much do you want to turn this around? And when we're talking about something that is both so personal and so rewarding at the same time, is this is this because it's not just physical. I mean, you know, it's not just the physical act. It's right. it's the connecting. It's like here's this person, and you know, being vulnerable and being open. And of course, that is incredibly scary. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it, I might not get the reaction that I'm looking for or, uh, you know, or and, and I'm going to attribute that to, oh, well, I don't deserve this or I did this poorly. It could just be that my partner was in a place where they just yeah. weren't open and receptive. But if we don't have mm-hmm. that deeper level ability to talk about these things, then it's almost yep. like sex is 
the stand-in, and then when that's not working, we're right. on, we're at a real loss. Yep. Yep. So that's yeah, complicated stuff. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, you know, and it's and it's. Um, I, I once had a client who she came in and she she said, you know, she bounced into my office and she said, I had an epiphany. And I said, well, what was it? And she said, relationships aren't natural. And I burst out laughing and I said, well, where'd you get the idea that they were? I mean, because everybody, th- uh-huh. you know, it's like, and, and, and they don't know. And again, we all do what we know. And if we don't know what works, we're going to be repeating the things that don't work, like, you know, that we've learned from our parents or we've learned from Hallmark movies or pornography or whatever, yeah. wherever, wherever it is, we're getting these info, you know, this information and we're looking yeah. at it. It's like, well, why is it not working in my life? It's like, because it doesn't work in anybody's life. Like Hallmark yeah. movies and pornography I, I, aren't reality. Right. I would say those are the things that are not natural. I do think that, that relationships themselves are natural. Right. I think we just get thrown off track by a lot of stuff that isn't natural. Right. That we're, right. we're trying Usually to... when I sit with a couple, yeah, I, I look at them and I think they love each other. They're, mm-hmm. they're, it's just covered over with a lot of crap. Well, and that's, you know, and that's the thing is, is uncovering that and being yeah. able to really... Um, pave the way for the the kind of intimacy that people want and that doesn't mean that you know that doesn't mean we're having an orgasm every time it doesn't mean we're a failure if we don't have one it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't mean any of that it's it you we put the meaning onto those things and and you know it takes a really brave person i think to look at all of the messages they've been given and go through them and decide which ones are completely unhelpful yeah. and then learn to do Not something different. Not an so, easy process. So where can people learn, one, find your book, two, learn more about you, and I know that there's a specific request you would like to make. Uh, easiest way to do both is to go to my website, which is avramweissphd.com, A-V-R-U-M, W-E-I-S-S, that's S like in Sam, PhD.com. You will find uh, all my books there, and you can sign up for my mailing list, um, which will uh, get you a copy of everything that I publish when I I just actually put a new article up yesterday about uh, why men get um, uh, obnoxious and controlling in arguments with women. Uh. just went up live yesterday and um, I am currently working on a project uh, interviewing women about what they learned from their mothers about men and if you are interested in being interviewed and as a part of that project you can contact me on my website oh terrific and so you know as I just said sex isn't just a physical act between two people Emotions are involved as well, and if you aren't clear about what's driving your desire, you may find that sex leaves you feeling less connected instead of more. So the question that I have is what needs to happen in your relationship to change that? And I hope that one of the things that you will do for your relationship is to continue listening to this show, and until next week, stay loving.